in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the Wake and Take podcast, back for another week and another Vikings victory. Make it four in a row, fellas, and uh, plenty of plenty of stuff to talk about. It, it Kind of a game that reminded me a little bit of the Buffalo Bills game from last year, but we'll get into all of that. Brady Hallmeyer alongside Brady Galbraith and the NBA savant Benjamin Boone back in person tonight uh, for a podcast. If it sounds a little different because we're sitting out in the living room, watching well, we got the Wolves and the Boston Celtics just tipped off we got the Monday night football game on in front of us on the big screen and as soon as we're done podcasting we're gonna get the St. Thomas and or Gopher basketball game and before we get into T-Wolves or before we get into Vikings I should say BG did either of you Ben or BG see that the uh, tickets for the Gopher basketball game tonight were three dollars <laughs> on StubHub I did not see that and, decent and that's tickets. probably three dollars too many and decent tickets, too. There were uh, lower bowl, probably like 20, 20 rows up. I just saw it on Twitter going for 3 bucks on uh, on StubHub for the Gophers and Bethune, Crookson, something like that. Something like that. I think it's a three-name hyphenated school. Yeah, Bethune. Couldn't tell you where they're from. I thought it was Bethune something. but Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman. That's what it is. There we go. Um, so yeah. almost to, it maybe even is today. Is it the sports equinox today? No, because the MLB is done. But a ton of sports going on right now, which is awesome. And probably the best game of the weekend, at least if you're a Minnesota fan. It was the Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons, 31-28 in favor of the visitors. The Vikings now 4-1 and one on the road this, this season, fellas, which is a, a nice little stat. A bunch of stuff to talk about from that game. Obviously, the, the A topic is Josh Dobbs coming into the game in the, what, second quarter? Did he come in first quarter? First, it was the I second drive. End of the first. Yeah. Well, Jaron went two drives, and yeah, I guess he got knocked down on the goal line there. It was that third down, so they kicked it. So, yeah, it would have been the third drive he came in. First quarter, um, and, and having never taken a snap with the first-team offense, having never taken a snap from Garrett Bradbury before, uh, just moments before he ran out of the field. And he didn't even know the snap count. So there was a video that got released on Twitter, and I don't think anybody really knew about this storyline while the game was going on. I think everybody assumed that he had taken a few snaps with the first team or at least gone through cadence and that kind of stuff. The first time he ever, in the five offensive linemen, ever heard Josh Dobbs say set hut was about five minutes before they ran on the field for that first series um, with, with Dobbs at QB. And the fact that we had zero penalties, the only penalty in the game, the Vikings won penalty all day long. It was a false start from Dalton Reisner on the first, I think it was the second series. Um, when they settled for a field goal, but that was the only penalty all day long. And the fact that we didn't have a single false start penalty uh, when, when Dobbs came into the game is, is miraculous and is a credit to Dobbs, but maybe even a bigger credit to uh, Bradbury and to the coaching staff for simplifying things enough for Dobbs to, to make it work. Um, being on the road, Brian O'Neill talked to, to PA in the locker room after the game. He said being on the road actually helped them because they could just go silent count um, for most of the game. And that's what they did uh, when Dobbs came in. But just an incredible, incredible story. Obviously, Dobbs fired up in the the post game press or the post game locker room. Um, seeing some of those videos come out on Twitter today and wherever your social media feed is coming from, that that video of KOC and he has to be one of the best 
post-game locker room speech guys I've ever seen. I mean, obviously it's a little biased because we're big Minnesota <laughs> fans and I'm pumped up every time we win a, win a game. But his post-game speeches are awesome. They're concise. They're to the point His it, where he emphasizes certain stuff. It just gets you fired up and you get goosebumps listening to him, or at least I do. Uh, but an incredible game. Back and forth. looked like when uh, when they went down and scored there at the end. I think it was their only touchdown. Was it their only touchdown of the game, or did they have one in the third quarter as well? Either way, they, they got on and scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. The, the uh, Atlanta-led offense of Heineke and whoever else they had, Bijan, and I don't even know who else was, was on that team. They don't really have a lot of weapons, but they got on and scored. looks like game's basically over, two minutes on the clock, a couple of timeouts for the Vikings, and, and Josh Dobbs manufactures a 75-yard game-winning drive. He had never had a game-winning drive in his life. Hmm. Uh, and he manufactures that for the Vikings. They go on to win the game. Just an incredible, incredible football game to watch. Super entertaining. And the Vikings come out on top, 31-28. BG, your reaction to a big-time win? Yeah, it was an incredible game, obviously. By far my favorite Vikings game this season. And you said it, it really reminded me of, you know, a game that we would win last season where, you know, the odds were against us not in our favor and we get all those balls to roll the right way and the, the stars to line up. And it really seemed like that, um, even with that early adversity that we experienced in the game. It was a, it was a great team win, which we've had team wins these last uh, this four-game winning streak. Um, offense, defense, special teams, everybody. It's been phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> before going into Josh Dobbs, I think it's we owe our due diligence to say that Jaron Hall was looking really dang good in the first couple of drives that he had, especially that second drive, marching the team all the way down the field, looking really comfortable in his first actual meaningful minutes in the NFL. Um, obviously, it's a bummer with the concussion and the way Josh Dobbs played after that. I don't think that Hall is going to come back anytime soon in a starting role, but it's encouraging to see how he played. And then Josh Dobbs uh, to come in, get sacked for a safety um, get stripped for a fumble, I think, the next drive maybe. And then to do everything that he did still um, during that game, it was absolutely remarkable. It shows the kind of guy Dobbs is, that he strives in adversity, and he's not willing to let a mistake or two get him down, like I know some starting quarterbacks and definitely some back backup quarterbacks would do. Um, and then just that in general was amazing. But when you put that he's been in Minnesota for five days – um, learning a new offense, didn't take a single throw in practice, doing the cadence on the sidelines. It was just absolutely incredible. And I saw on Twitter that KOC was calling the play to him like usual, and then once he said the play in the huddle to all the teammates, he would tell Josh Dobbs, this is what to look for, or just to describe the play. Like, on the left side, this is this route. On the right side, this is this route. It's just absolutely unbelievable to do that in an away environment against one of the top NFL defenses when you don't even know the, the receivers' names that you're throwing to. So it's going to be a game that I remember for a long time. <clears throat> I know KOC said the same thing, that this is going to be one that he remembers for a long time, and it's one of the most incredible things he's seen in his career. Um, so I'm just excited to see us bounce back after that Kirk Achilles tear. It's a bummer to see more injuries piling up with Jaron Hall, K.J. Osborne, and Cam Akers going down for the season with that same injury, but... The Vikings really performed, and I was on cloud nine after that Vikings game. Yeah, just the huge victory. Uh, it, it, it never really looked like, even when we were down, I think in the first quarter or the first half, it was like 11 to three or something like that. We were down eight, and it looked like it was just unreachable. 
after the safety, the fumble. Dobbs had another fumble. Um, not the second possession, maybe the fourth or fifth possession. I mean, his ball can, his ball security, his ball control is awful, horrendous, and it's definitely going to come back to really bite us at some point in time. He just holds that thing out there, one hand, whipping it all around. I mean, it's just it's brutal. And I think every Vikings fan about halfway through that football game uh, on Sunday was thinking to themselves, I could play quarterback better than this guy. Uh, and then to do what he does the rest of the game, Ends up with right, right around 220 total yards, um, like 150 through the air, 70 on the ground. Uh, a touchdown running, a touchdown throwing at the end for – actually, I think he – did he have three three combined touchdowns? Yeah, I think he ran one in and threw two, right? Yep, you're right. Two touchdowns through the air, a touchdown on the ground as well um, for Dobbs. And like you said, only five days in Minnesota. He was running with the scout team all week. He was – you know, trying to be the best Taylor Heineke impression that he could do uh, to get the Vikings defense ready to go for the game. And, and the backup to the backup to the backup. Um, we were on QB4, and, and to have QB4 throw to a wide receiver four and, and Brandon Powell for the game-winning touchdown was it, just insane. Um, just insane that the Vikings could do it. KOC in the post-game locker room with the Vikings. Um, when he was in, in that speech I was talking about just a minute ago, gave every player a, a game ball and... and the game ball they actually used in the game went to Josh Dobbs, which was just an awesome, awesome moment for Dobbs, who's now 28. He turns 29 in a couple of months. I think it's his seventh team and his seventh year in the NFL, something like that. He's bounced all around, uh, all around the league, and uh, to, to find maybe a, a home in Minnesota for at least a couple of years. And, and if Kirk comes back next year, maybe we keep Dobbs as a backup because he certainly can can hop into some games with very minimal. Um, instruction and, and do pretty well. So now the tale is is going to be, can he put two good weeks together? Is he just a guy who can come in and win you one game against a pretty bad team? Although the, the Atlanta defense was like fourth in rushing, fifth in passing, and, and sixth overall or something in overall mm-hmm. points. It wasn't a bad defense that he did that against, um, which gives you some, some hope for the rest of the season, um, especially with the way the defense is coming into form. And we have a punt return touchdown from the Chargers here. Who is that guy? Who is it? Boom. Donald Parham. <laughs> <It's not him. laughs> I wish it was. <clears throat> no idea who that guy is. Defense and special teams don't count as the same, do they? Uh, or a score? I'm going to assume no, not. I took the Jets defense to score. Oh. Okay. Darius Davis. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, Vikings get an awesome win. Uh, here are the actual numbers on Dobbs. 158 yards to the air. Two TDs. Took three sacks. For 12 yards, rushed the ball seven times for 66 yards, an average of over nine yards a carry. I heard on the radio today just a terrible stat on the Vikings. They had 10 rushes in the first half. Four of them were negative yards. Uh, three of them, or two of them were for one yard, and the long was for two and a half yards. <laughs> and Madison had one that was negative three. Did Madison, what was his yards per carry? I got to imagine it's two. Uh, 2.8. He had 16 oh touches, 16 carries for 44 yards. Cam Akers, who tore his Achilles and will miss the rest of the season, he had eight carries for 25 yards. Along at 19, though. And Jaron Hall, before he went out, he had two two scrambles for 11 yards. Um, T.J. Hawkinson, seven catches, 70 yard or 69 yards. A long of 29. That was a big time, big time catch and run in the fourth quarter there. Ran through a couple guys. Addison five yards or five catches for fifty-two yards. 
Madison, two catches for 49 yards. Johnny Munt getting a big catch in that first half, I think it was. Um, a catch for 18 yards. K.J. Osborne, two catches for 17 yards. He got lit up as well. Mm. Pretty dirty hit um, by Steelers defense. I can't remember the guy's name, but. Wasn't it Okuda? I thought yeah, Okuda, it was Okuda was the Thank one you. who it was launched his body in. And I'm guessing he was one of them. He'll Dirty get fine. Throw. No, it was Okuda who hit him first, I do believe. He was just waiting for him. And it was kind of on KJ, too, because he didn't catch the ball right away. Fumbled it a couple of times. But uh, Brandon somehow Powell, hung on to it. Somehow hung on to yeah. it. Incredible catch. Brandon Powell, two catches for 15 yards, including the big one at the end of the game, a, uh, the touchdown grab. I, I love Brandon Powell. He plays so fast. He, uh, I mean, what's he? He's probably our fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. Now he's up, moving up a little bit with some of the injuries, um, but now with KJ Osborne out for likely at least a couple of weeks, you're gonna see a healthy dose of Brandon Powell. You gotta imagine he's been out there the last few weeks with JJ out, um, but I, I just like the way he plays. He's a pretty small little guy, but he's super fast and he plays hard. And, and you know, there's a lot of guys that are fast, like Jalen Rager, but there's guys that play fast, and that's Brandon Powell. And I guarantee you Rager's 40 times faster than Powell's, but Powell just plays a lot faster. There's also guys who make plays and don't suck, like Jalen Rager does. Yeah, Brandon Powell did fumble. Um, that punt, punt and I can't remember what game. Kansas City game, maybe? Give me him over Rager. And he did. I did, I was too. watching Red Zone. I saw they flashed it over to the Patriots game with, I guess, Jalen Rager's on the Patriots now, and he had five targets and one catch. Nice. Yeah, that sounds right. I didn't even know he was with anybody. No, I mean, yeah, before Sunday, I, I, if you asked where he was, I would have said probably a free agent. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so the defensive numbers from the victory Jordan Hicks, 11 tackles, a sack, QB hit, two TFLs. What's PD? Pass deflection. Pass deflection as well. Good game from, uh, from Mr. Hicks. No sacks from Daniil Hunter. Did have a TFL, five solo tackles, 11, excuse me, nine total tackles. Caleb Evans, too, he had a great game. Um, do they have a stat on here for he, – he was the one who forced the fumble that Metellus came up with, right? Yep. The, uh, the peanut Tillman punch, that was an awesome play. I mean, he great just, play. just ripped it right out or punched it right out there. And the defense, I mean, they gave up that one drive where they ran the ball like 100 times. In a row, it was. It, it felt like that uh, 49ers playoff game from 2019, I think it was, where the 49ers ran the ball, I think, 13 times in a row, something like that. Um, they ran it down their throat in one, one drive there in the second half. But other than that, the defense was pretty dang solid all day long, forcing two, tu- two turnovers. Cam Bynum should have had a pick. I feel like every week Cam Bynum lets a pick go through his hands. Did it again. He was in the perfect position and just – couldn't hang on to the football, but Cam Bynum is, is playing awesome. Easily could have been three turnovers, but the defense a huge, huge part of that as one, well. One thing I noticed that I was talking to BG about it during the game was it seemed when the Vikes would get the ball, they were starting with the ball on their own five or their 10-yard line. When uh, the Falcons would get it, they were starting on like the 35, the 40, and just field position was crucial, but somehow came out on top, but it was just they were always starting pretty damn close yeah. to midfield. Well, and some of that had to do with the turnovers, right? Right, the, exactly. The one the, the the first fumble from from Dobbs, they run it down to the one yard line, and the defense gets a three and out. 
forces a field goal and they go backward too. I think there was a penalty in there as well, but a couple of TFLs on that drive. That's huge. I mean, if you don't have those four points mm-hmm. right there, we lose the game. Um, and, and obviously there's a lot of things that are going to happen between those four points and the end of the game. But you got to imagine that if they score a touchdown there, or even a couple other times, like you mentioned, they got a short field and the defense either holding them to field goals for forcing turnovers, getting enough sacks to get them out of the, um, out of the field goal range. How many sacks do we have? Let's see. It felt like kind of a lot. Yes, only one. <laughs> one sack, but six TFLs. So, I mean, that's there, yeah. there you have it. With That's why they were starting behind the behind the sticks on a lot of second downs and third downs and stuff from third and long, second and long, um, which which is a big help as well. And we haven't talked about it yet, but Christian Derrissaw, a late scratch on Sunday. Uh, he tweaked his groin in practice this week. He was listed. He was downgraded from – just no, no status to questionable on Saturday. And, and then on Sunday morning, they said he's out for the game. So Questenberry, um, David Questenberry, who played for the Bills last season, started, I think, 16, something like that, 16 games for the Bills last year. He comes in and plays uh, left tackle for the Vikings yesterday. Does a pretty dang good job. I don't, I mean, no holding penalties, no false starts. And uh, how many times did we, how many sacks did we give up yesterday? I don't even know. Four. Uh, so they gave up four sacks, but I, I don't remember Questenberry ever having any big blunders. Um, so that's nice, especially the, the week after you ship out Ezra Cleveland, then goes down one of your offensive linemen mm-hmm. um, on a position that Cleveland, I would imagine, probably would have played. Uh, he's kind of more of a tackle size anyway. So you'd think that if Derrissaw went out and Cleveland was still on the team, he probably would have played, um, assuming he was healthy. But Back to Jaron Hall really quick and just pressures. It felt when he was in, his pocket presence seemed pretty damn good where he mm-hmm. was stepping up. He was not forcing things, which is great from a rookie mm-hmm. quarterback where mm-hmm. you know if you're either toss it out of bounds, go pick up a few yards, whatever, just don't. Like I think there was a third down where he kind of accepted, hey, I'm not going to pick up the first down, but I'm not going to throw it across my body and, and have a stupid interception to start the game. Yep. Uh, but his pocket, like that's what I was saying while we were watching. It was like, dude, this guy's seeing, granted he's 25 or 26, so he's, you know. 25. A little older guy, older rookie, I should say. But, yeah, he felt really smooth when he was in, and Dobbs obviously came in nervous and like you said been there since Tuesday only but yeah overall like both quarterbacks I was more than happy with I would say yeah I was I was very high on Dobbs um and if he just kept running it's hard to say on a play where a guy gets hurt but he stopped running on the one yard line and I think if he just kept running and made contact with the player and tried to lower his shoulder he doesn't get hurt but the fact that he stopped stood upright took the brunt of the hit without any momentum going the other way that that is just not not a way to take it yeah and that second defender to come in and slam his head yeah it didn't look intentional to me it looked like he was just trying to push him back but to get your back of your head slammed down to the ground i mean that's that's tough but you see so many quarterbacks in that instance Dak prescott is coming to my mind but in that scenario they just jump over the top where you're not going to be hit as hard as when you're going to try to go head down or make a final cut where if he's going head over heels, I think he gets a touchdown, and you know we don't see Josh Dobbs last Sunday. Right, and it's just the I I get what he was trying to do, and it's so easy to sit here and say, oh, on the replay when it's slow motion, like obviously he should have kept running. And what he was trying to do was cut back to the inside and make that guy miss. He mm-hmm. didn't see the other guy coming, so I understand how it happens. But um, 
man, if you could just go back in that one play and say, don't stop right there and just put your head down and try to get over the goal line or, you know, just take the hit uh, and be short, but don't just stop there and, and be a sitting duck for the second guy to come in and just wipe you out. Or just make the throw to Hawkinson on second down. Yeah. <laughs> he missed him. Missed him there. I mean, you make that throw, you get a touchdown, don't set up for a yeah, field goal. Yeah, and that goal, was a great play up until that point. He stepped up in the pocket. His first look wasn't there. His second look wasn't there. Found Hawkinson, but just totally missed him. Yeah. And uh, speaking of missing Hawkinson, on that uh, Dobbs touchdown run, I actually didn't see the play, but I heard him talking about it on KFAN. Apparently, Hawkinson was wide open. Yeah, I saw the <laughs> was wide open all twenty-two on that, yeah. whatever it's called. Hawkinson yep. was wide open, and um, I think it was Addison. Yeah, Addison yeah. was wide open as well. Yeah, so <laughs> well, I I watched a breakdown of it. The safety on the left side came down on the flat on Acres or whatever, and then Hawkinson was basically doing a post and one-on-one -on -one coverage against the corner. I mean, he'll win that. Yeah. Uh, it was Tristan Jackson who was did it? a double okay. move over the middle. Basically, you throw it to towards the goalpost. One of those two dudes is going to come down with it. Go but, it. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that's just a heck of a play, but yeah. not knowing Could be easier. the offense as Keep well, not risk. knowing the guys as well. Yeah. So Well, you hope that's the case anyway. But <laughs> Exactly. There's yeah. a, I mean, you, the team in Arizona is terrible. I'm not saying one in seven as a starter to start the year with them is on him, but there's a reason why you're playing for Arizona in that situation. It's not because you're an elite quarterback, at least yet. Maybe KOC will make him into one, and maybe coaching and weapons and all that stuff around him here in Minnesota will be his, you know, a big-time difference for him, and maybe that's all he needed. Um, but the, the proof is in the podium. We'll see what's what's in the next few weeks for Dobbs. You've got to imagine he's getting the start. Um, we haven't had any conclusive reports on anybody whether that be Hall, I'm sure Cam Akers got a conclusive report on that today. Yep. Um, not sure about TJ Hawkinson. He got hurt. He came up limping near the end of that game um, on Sunday as well. No word on Derisaw. Uh, he's working through that growing injury. Now JJ's um, eligible to come back this week. Um, the Vikings haven't said anything. None of the Vikings beat reporters said anything about it today. Adam Schefter did tweet this afternoon um, here on Victory Monday, fellas. Um, on Monday afternoon, Schefter tweeted, that uh, no word on J.J., but he's likely to not play uh, on Sunday, and I think we're going to have a probably confirming that news on Wednesday when the injury report does come out. Um, obviously no injury report today, but the Week 10 first injury report will come out on Wednesday, and we'll get an idea on who's practicing, who's out completely, um, at least from practice. Keep them out. Wednesday. You're playing the Saints. What yeah. the hell are you risking it for? You They, don't, they have a... Really strong track record of being great guys, great team. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe our second team that we cheer for. No, keep yep. keep JJ out. And honestly, let Dobbs, assuming he starts, which I'd imagine, yep. let him build a little more chemistry with the other guys that you need it as you need it more with. Where JJ, you just throw him the damn ball and let him right. go make a play, which is great to see KOC actually having to design offense <clears throat> to not get bailed out by. Kirk and JJ just making a play. Well, and I was going to say, imagine all this stuff happening when Mike Zimmer was the head coach. Oh, and my gosh. We him having to explain, like, the calls to Josh Dobbs when he's going up to the huddle and dissect it. Like, KOC, it, it showed this is going to be one of his games that he gets remembered for, I think, KOC. This is a phenomenal job with Jaron Hall um, and Dobbs. To, they both looked extremely prepared, yep. and they looked great out there, comfortable against a good Atlanta defense on the road. 
And with Dobbs to do that in less than a week, I mean, it's really helpful that KOC was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it was one quarterback talking to another quarterback. But you could you imagine Zimmer? We'd be doing runs left and right, and he would leave Dobbs out to dry, and then he would probably blame it on Dobbs. So yeah, it just shows it just shows the the coach um, and the connection that KOC has with his players. I mean, I remember Zimmer finally meeting with Kirk one on one to just talk about the game After plan. After Kirk begged him for yeah, years, Kirk asked and asked, and Zimmer just wouldn't do it with his main with the starting quarterback. Um, so it's night and day difference between Zimmer and how the connection he had with his players and KOC with his quarterbacks, with his players, with his defense, all of that. And like you said earlier, his locker game speeches. I mean, we haven't had any of that for a long time in the Vikings organization to hear from a coach that's truly excited and passionate and a young, energetic guy. It's refreshing. When it feels like the guys really appreciate the culture. Like, I don't remember ever seeing videos of locker room speeches where, you know, everyone's cheering for each other and Zimmer's out there tossing game balls and and (laughs) just making everyone kind of feel like a team where Zimmer just I mean, he fell. got into a shoving match with Kirk on the My side God. a few years ago. <laughs> After a win. <laughs> After a game-winning drive, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, how are you mad at this guy? But Kirk you know, it, shoved him and said, you like that? Yeah. It seems Kwesi and Zimmer's KOC like, Get really have, have like a good call. Did you see him do the little Euro yeah. <laughs> KOC before the Kwesi. game? Yeah. <laughs> Like no, those, I did not. They did that with like running at yeah. each other and like a Euro <laughs> like celebration. <laughs> that is kind of awesome. like MLB outfielders do. Yeah, after yeah. A before win. the game. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it just seems like the culture they built is awesome, and they have good vets around. Like Hicks, I think is so crucial. If this team is actually going to make a playoff push, Hicks is going to be one of the key stars to that, yeah. or key drivers. I don't know if you'd call him a star, but yeah. He's an unsung hero, I think. Yep. But I don't even I, I don't even remember what we had to give away from him, but for whatever it was, I'm sure we got more with Hicks than we gave up. Did He's they trade? Was he not a free agent? He could have been a free agent that too. But I don't think he was like, "Oh my god, we're bringing in this, you know, this stud." stud. Well, he was behind He's past his Kendrick's at the time. Yep. Yep. And he's, you know, Maybe a little bit past his prime now because he's a vet, but he's not playing like it. He's a great leader out there, and it seems every single week, looking at the box score, he's he leads the team in tackles. If this isn't yeah. his prime, I don't care what his prime was. This yeah. is pretty damn good. Right. Yep. Yep. He's been a game changer, really, at, in almost every game we've played this season. I'm trying to find a gopher score here from just the first few minutes against Bethune. How are the T Wolves looking, BG? T Wolves currently up one. Uh, just about a minute and a half to go in the first quarter. The Gophers are up 18. Okay. Wow. Seven to go in the first half. Wow. And, and Boone, they scrimmaged who? Was it Carlton? Or? Carlton. It McAllister. was McAllister. Oh, McAllister. And I don't know if you guys heard about the game or saw any highlights, but there's a dude on McAllister who had 41 points against the Gophers. Yep. Dang. Saw that. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Caleb Williams. <laughs> His name is Caleb Williams, and oh, I you're think being he, serious? Yeah. <laughs> you're joking? No, and nice, I think okay. he was like an all D three player last year, and is seeing some of those highlights. They were incredible, hard contested shots that he was making. So, Dang. do you think if the Gophers played everyone in the Mayak, every single team in the Mayak, would they lose a game? Like, I don't do you think so. they would drop one to any of those teams? Maybe St. John's. I don't think so. Yeah, they're f- horrible. 
They are horrible. I think they would be one of the favorites of the Power 5 teams to drop a game against them. That's I think sure. they yeah. would lose to St. Thomas, at least St. Thomas last year. Yeah. St. Thomas last year with Rody. Yeah. I think they would have lost that game. At least it would have been a heck of a game. And St. Thomas hockey, and we I think we talked about this already a while ago, but that St. Thomas hockey versus Gopher hockey um, a couple of weeks ago at the X, that's an awesome series. I don't know why. Ben. I guess I know why Ben Johnson doesn't <laughs> want to do it. But, yeah, he'd probably get fired if they lost that game. He's done after this. Do you, do you guys think he makes it through this year? I think, dude, I would promote Thorson, the old De La Salle yeah. coach. Yeah. He's, I think, is his top assistant. Mm-hmm. He'll at least, I'm sure, he recruits pretty hard in Minnesota. But yeah, he would be, well, he would be the next replacement. I, I think, think, I think that he makes it through the year, and then if from Brooklyn, who is the good high school team? Park Center. Yeah. yeah, Park Center, their star guard, Cash Chavis. Yeah. Washington. Just committed to Washington, didn't get an offer from Minnesota. <laughs> and he said it's a chip on his shoulder that he did not receive an offer from his home state team. He had so don't many Power the, 5 offers, too. Yeah, don't know if the Tommies offered him. I'm sure it wouldn't have made a difference. But who knows if he would have gone to the Gophers. But, you know, you have to offer him in order for him to go to your school. That's so crazy. how do you not offer a four? And pretty sure he's a four Minnesota star recruit. Yeah. yeah, he's really good. Yeah. How do you I've not offer a, a four star kid in your own yeah. town? That's ridiculous. I yeah, know. and it, you know, there's certainly some cases like um, I forget who I'm, the name is right now, but when they say they're not playing for Minnesota, like they come out and say that. I think that happened last year, two years ago, well, with one of the bigger recruits. That. Yeah, Jackson from McAndrew. Yeah, Jackson McAndrew from Wyzetta. but. If you're saying, you know, I, I wasn't recruited for my home state team and put a chip on my shoulder, you probably were at least considering playing for them, like Cash Chavis in this state. So, I would imagine so. I think it, he makes it through this year, but I don't think he's our our solution. There. I just can't coach. imagine being a three, four-star, obviously five-star player, being, you know, Mr. Basketball, Mr. Basketball, you know, runner-up, mm-hmm. whatever. And then your hometown team, that is damn near the, the worst team in the Big Ten, isn't like, hey, you could, you guys could use my services. Like I could come here and play, but you don't want me to play yeah. here. I mean, with what the, are you doing with the state of the Gophers right now? We should damn near be offering every three star in Minnesota. Yeah, damn because near they're uh, the talent that we have on the team right now. Offer freaking JV kids. Like, my <laughs> God, it can't be worse than what we're seeing out there. Well, let's bring back Patino. We didn't get Minnesota kids, but at least we got good players from other states to come here. But, yeah. they, I mean, they Patino. got Amir. They got Reggie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they they were a team. Jordan Murphy, and he obviously wasn't from here, but those teams were good. Marcus Carr. I mean, that's yep. a great recruit. Yeah, it was. No, but Amir was huge. I think yeah, he was, Amir was He was the, like a top 50 player, yeah. I think. And I think he's our second or third Daniel best Orturu. recruit of all time. Yeah. Did they get Orturu too? Yep. Yeah, yep. he was 2017, right? 2018 maybe? It was 17, I think. Yeah. But if you're really talking Minnesota basketball recruiting, keeping guys in state, Tubby Smith had Rodney Williams and Royce White in yep. the same recruiting class. I yep. mean, With some money under the table. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, those I think those got to be two of Minnesota's higher recruit like uh player ranking well actually not recently with like Tyus and Rashad and stuff yeah and we and we can get into it another time but just I wonder how the NIL money um how much of that is an impact for recruitment and saying all right yeah come here we'll give you a million first year and now you can kind of do that loophole because it's through NIL money but I mean, Minnesota is a great state for that. With all the Fortune 500, 100 companies here, there are so many corporations in our backyard with money that could go through the only state-funded university D1 program in Minnesota 
and they can change it around. But I guess I don't know specifically how all that stuff works. But when you're getting out recruited and um, you're, I forget that tall dude who was committed to the Gophers and then went to Louisville oh, before the season yeah. started. Goggles. I forget his name. Daniel Evans, wasn't it? Yeah, or something Evans, like that. Yeah. He was a five-star, maybe a really good four-star. Out of California. Yeah, and he was coming to the Gophers and then, and then Louisville yeah, with the goggles specs. out of, like, Space Jam, the monster. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> but to have Louisville uh, take him last second. Yeah. And Louisville used to be good, but they're, they're kind of like us. They're a bottom feeder in the ACC. Right. I mean, it's just disappointing. Ben Johnson's knocking in the Minnesota recruits, and then to get a big guy like that nationwide, like Richard Pitino did, and then to have him bail out. I mean, who has he recruited that's a standout? Nobody. And there's a lot of standout players coming from Minnesota, so – He's definitely on the warm slash hot seat. Look, uh, it's good to see we're off to a hot start as we should tonight, but um, it's probably going to be a, a long, rough Gophers b-ball season. Yeah, here's kind of the state of the program right now. When you look at ESPN, the top two stories on the Minnesota Golden Gophers men's basketball page, the top story is 2024 coaching hot seat preview, mm. and the next <laughs> the next article is. Ex Gopher star battle will transfer to Ohio State. Yep. <laughs> those are the top two stories. Does that. it have a ranking on those hot seats? Is that uh, article? Yeah, you probably could. Let's see. It's said love to. I mean, Minnesota. No one gives a shit about Minnesota basketball. So it's like, do they really even <laughs> care about Ben? Jo- like, if you're like a Duke coach, Shire. Uh, like, if you have a bad season, that's going to be a top story in, in college basketball because of your program. Where Minnesota. Who the hell's turning into Minnesota unless you're a <laughs> degenerate gambler? Like you're not watching yeah. them. Uh, we, they don't have a rank. It's just an article. Sure, but right. yeah, Benja. I mean, you, back to NIL. You need boosters to give a shit about your program. Yeah, exactly. To give money. Yeah. Well, not even boosters. Boosters, yes, but also the Fortune companies, 500 companies. Yeah, same yes, thing. there's a decent amount, a lot in Minnesota compared to the population size, but. I don't think they care about go for basketball and they've been bad for so long that it's just like, you're just throwing money down a hole, but there's something I, at least in the last, I've heard about it recently. Dinky town athletes is some group. I don't know what they're considered if they're a nonprofit or if they're a company or what, what they are, but essentially they're trying to get more money for NIL. Um, and some, some gopher person started it to, to try to get more, NIL money rolling in for the Gophers. But, yeah, it seems like I don't know if they release numbers, public numbers, like how much each university is putting out there, like a payroll-type deal. Um, I would imagine they don't. But if they did, the Gophers have to be near the bottom of the Big Ten, probably near the bottom of all Power 5 conferences. What well, um, does Fleck – I never hear about, like, Fleck or a Minnesota recruit for football getting a bunch of money. So I don't know. That's like true. How I think football is, is probably a different – uh, just because there's so many players on each team, and obviously the stars are getting money and stuff, but right. like I, I don't know, does Ethan Kaliak Manis have any? <laughs> I can't imagine taken away from him. Probably got some stupid like tattoo nil barber or bar, tattoo. tattoo shop yeah. dealer <laughs> deal be. with his sleeve, yeah. which we can talk about that game for a minute. I mean, the Gophers are just horrendous. Um, that was the, talking about hot seat or warm seat. I think yeah. Fleck is approaching that warm seat. It's getting there. And it's, he, he has, a lot of it seems to be coaching, not necessarily off-season or recruiting, because I think the recruiting classes are okay. They're not good. They're not mm-hmm. terrible, uh, but they're okay. And a lot of it just seems to be in-game decision-making from, from the coaching position. When do you decide to get aggressive? When do you decide to kick field goals? When do you decide to punt? He seems terrible at all of that. 
Well, like we're not aggressive when we should be at the end of the halves, and he he just thinks we have some sort of lockdown defense. And sure, sometimes they look great, sometimes they look awful. And on Saturday, they were awful. And I don't know why, after giving up 21 points in the first half, really like almost the first quarter, why we're relying on the defense to hold a four-point lead at the end of the game. Why aren't we playing more aggressive on offense? Why aren't we throwing the football, which we did all game and had success doing? Why at the end of the first half are we running the clock out from midfield? when it, Or not midfield, but it's Minus a field goal. It was it, it's third and nine. We're at like the 17-yard line, and we we run the ball. It might have been third quarter, actually. I guess I was thinking of right before half. like Right before half, know, too. 30 yeah. seconds I'm thinking whatever. Of, yeah, you're, you're I think right. you have two timeouts. Yeah. You're on the minus 40. Yep. What the hell are you taking a knee and then running off like everything's all good? When was was Illinois getting the ball to start the half? Uh, or did Minnesota get it? Regardless, it was like no. Did we total, we fumbled the opening kickoff. Total fleck. We fumbled the opening kickoff. So they not were not being aggressive. Yeah, just being content. And well, it must like, have been. Yeah, you're right. It must have been like third or fourth quarter then when the Gophers had the ball like 17 yard line of their 17 yard line. Third and nine, and we run the football for like the sixth straight time, and we just get three or four yards. And we kick the field goal, and that's just classic PJ Fleck football. Like, don't even give yourself a chance to pick up the first down. <laughs> just say, "Hey, we're gonna love a field goal attempt here." And in college, even a thirty-five yarder is no guarantee that you're actually gonna make that. Um, and PJ is just way too conservative, time and time again. And once again, coughing up the West. I mean, this is like the fifth. They're or sixth handing year. it to you. At least we're in the conversation yeah. now, which we weren't even in the conversation um, before that. Very often, at least, um, with the with the Tracy Clays and Jerry Kill era, we we were okay some years, but at least we're in the conversation every year. But we're it, it's the same thing every year. We we lose to Illinois. I think PJ's now Owen something against I know Illinois. Belima or however you say. Belima, yeah, he's ten and all against the Gophers. Is, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of that was at Wisconsin, but I think three and zero with Illinois. Three and zero with Illinois, yeah. Seven and zero against with the Gophers, or against the Gophers with Wisconsin. But it, it's just the same thing every time. Being too conservative when you need to be aggressive, and when you need to be conservative, sometimes he's aggressive, and it just it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and there's just so many times that, and now the the West and the East are going to be dissolved. So. Who knows what happens from here? I don't think PJ is going to be on the hot seat, at least from the administration uh, this year. If something similar happens again next year, maybe uh, the seat gets a little warmer. But I think he has at least a couple more years to. I don't know if he loses to Iowa and, or I guess he beat Iowa. But so if he loses to Wisconsin, what probably last game of the year? I don't know. That leaves a sour taste losing to them. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the Big Ten West is such a bad division, and to be in the position we were at. With a horrible loss to Northwestern and yep. Illinois, like both horrible losses. I mean, we could easily, what would we be then? One loss or two losses at this point in the season? Yeah, we're three and, and three now. Yeah, and be na- probably nationally ranked at that point Should with one loss. Five and, and one. And now we're most likely not going to win the West. I mean, you just got to take advantages with this program. Now is the year to do it before these teams come in next year. Uh, USC and UCLA, it's already out. We play both of them next year. We play Iowa, Michigan, Penn State. It's a very tough schedule. And like Gophers basketball, I think it's kind of trending that we might be a bottom feeder in football. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Um, T-Wolves, 
Should we hit on a little T-Wolves chatter before we end it? I, I haven't watched a single Wolves game. I think I'm going to watch some of this game tonight. This will be my first bit of Wolves action more than just a couple of seconds on Twitter watching highlights. Um, but state of the T-Wolves, BG. Yeah. I'm going to pull up our record, some of our stats, so we can get some of that in just a moment. But your thoughts on the T-Wolves through a couple of weeks of Yeah, weeks of through action. five games, Wolves are 3-2, and two, um, 3-0 and oh at home, 0-2 oh on the road. Uh, the last two games we've won, and they've been really impressive wins. We took down the then undefeated Nuggets at home, beat them by 21 points, um, and we remain their only loss of the season. So a huge win, a little revenge uh, against them with the last season playoff series. This time having Nas Reed, this time having Jaden McDaniels, and beating the Nuggets by 21 with everybody on their team healthy, that was great to see. Wow. Big team win. That was going to be my question. Was everybody out there for them? <clears throat> yep. And then... The past win against the Utah Jazz, you know, Utah Jazz aren't going to make the playoffs most likely. They're not a great team, but I think we end up winning by 28 points. Uh, we put two team wins, great team wins, back-to-back, and we build on that. We're currently ranked the number one defense in all of the NBA. Through five games, I believe we've only let one team score over 100 points, mm. and that was the Hawks when we had a 20-point <laughs> lead in the second half. So we're really close to being 4-1. and one. We just got to stay consistent. We're down to the Celtics right now by three, who a lot would say are the best team in the NBA right now, the only undefeated team remaining in the NBA. So be another nice giant slayer win to take down uh, the last undefeated team. But as long as we keep playing defense, which is totally a mental thing, and how, how hard we want to play, how hard we want to try and communicate to our teammates, if we keep playing the defense we've been playing, I mean, we've got a shot to do really whatever we want this season because we're talented enough on the offensive end. We just need to work together offensively with the two bigs especially, Yep. and our defense can carry us wherever we want to go. So, Yeah, speaking of the two bigs, and Boone, you can hop on as well if you want on this question. How has – I guess you haven't watched a lot yet, Boone, but the chemistry between Rudy and Cat, is there anything working at all, BG? Have we seen any any flashes of like, oh, these two could play together, or are they still kind of running them on two different units? No, they've been running them a lot together, actually. Um, I think they look a little bit awkward, okay. like they did last year. Yep. Um, I I think early on, it's tough to say with Cat being injured so many games last year yep. and only five games in, but they've had some plays where like, huh, okay, I didn't really see that much last year, yep. and it's already happened in the first five games, so that's nice. But then at the same time, you got, oh, my God, what are these dudes with a 10 IQ thinking passing to each <laughs> other in this part of the game? So... I hope that it's something that continues to iron itself out and smoothen itself out throughout the year. But right now, yeah. it's just too early for a fair odd or a fair call. But yeah. what was pretty cool is maybe it was against the Nuggets, maybe against the Jazz. But one of the last two games, they had Nas Reed, Gobert, and Towns all in the game together. Which, I mean, that's pretty dang tough if you're the other side where you have to go against three guys, probably six ten and up. Yeah. Cat plays like a four. Nas Reed plays like a four. And then you got Gobert there. I mean, if we can get that to work out, that is going to be – you're just going to have to prep for the Timberwolves if that's um, the way they're going to play. And it was funny, Nas Reed, after the game, he was asked about that, and he said he genuinely had no idea they were all three on the same court together. <laughs> Do the Celtics have their full uh, roster of folks tonight? Yep. Good. Celtics are – got the full guys going. And I will say, just on the topic of Nas Reed – he has been balling out. He mm-hmm. is such a stud offensively. He has been great defensively. It's so awesome that he wants to play for the Timberwolves and took a huge pay cut to come back to the uh, the Timberwolves when I forget who was going to sign him. Um, 
can't think of it I'm right sure now. I'm sure there were multiple teams. and But there was one team that offered him, I think, more over $10 million more total in the contract, and he said, nope, I want to stay with Minnesota. I like what they're building and that they gave me a chance out of the draft. Here he is being a stud. His role's evolving. Um, as you could guess, Kitty Cat's got three fouls in the first half. So, I mean, Nas Reed is playing some major minutes, and he's just been an absolute stud, so we got none to shout of, him out. None of them were fouls on Cat, though, <laughs> right? Like, they, in, they couldn't have been. Not in his mind, and he had the patented one offensive foul where of he just course. loses his body control and cannot believe that they're calling it on it's him. on ice skates or something. But I think the biggest thing with Nas Reed, like, imagine – you're working somewhere, and then everyone's like, pay that man, like, get him his bag, all this stuff. And then when you do sign, they all go on Instagram, and they go, Nas, read, like, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I think, honestly, the biggest thing for me, and this goes back to last year and kind of ties in with Gobert, Mike Conley, having him on the team, like a true professional, like a vet point guard who's played with Gobert, who obviously Gobert is kind of the odd man out. It seems, I think, having Conley and like, a familiar face – and just the grown-up in the room is makes this team so much more dangerous, cohesive, anything, any positive uh, thing you could put out there. Mike Conley over D'Angelo Russell every single day of the week where oh, yeah. D'Lo is mocking Gobert in front of people at practice. <laughs> Not that I was at practice, but rumors I've heard. Uh, D'Lo was openly saying, like, Gobert f- sucks and... and Mike Conley obviously comes in and is just, hey, we've played together in Utah. We've done well. Yeah, they got that chemistry. Let's just get back to it. And then incorporate studs like Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and I guess Carl Anthony Towns in that order. <laughs> like this team is and on deep that, and dangerous. And on that same topic, just with IQ and, you know, holding the guys together, kind of being a glue guy, Kyle Anderson. He was it last year. He was it this year. Just right now had a great pass to Rudy. He really has a good um, chemistry, second year only, with Rudy Gobert, probably our best on the team. Um, he's just a guy, and the play before, actually, he blocked Jalen Brown out of bounds. He's a guy who's, you know, not flashy, obviously. His na- his nickname is Slow-Mo, and I heard people say he's looking slower this year, so they call him <laughs> Slow-Mower. Um, but, I mean, he's just a That's good awesome. all-around player on offense and defense, and we need those guys to make a run, and I really think sky's the limit with this team. We've got the talent uh, to put it all together. It's just the NBA, the egos, the personalities. Are we going to do it? Which I think Cat yeah. kind of is seems to be buying in that. Hey, I'm kind of a bitch, but Ant is like <laughs> our our dog. Like he's he's our alpha. He's the one who's going to lead us. He's going to go win us games. And I think that's almost better suited for Cat, where he doesn't have to feel the pressure of being the one. Obviously, number one overall pick. You know, supposed to be. A franchise guy, but I think has kind of realized, hey, maybe I'm not that top dog, which kind of on Boston, Tatum has that role over Jalen Brown. And the money might speak differently because Jalen Brown just signed <laughs> the richest contract ever. But I think Jalen Brown knows maybe he's not that face that uh, Tatum is. Yep. Yeah, it's, it certainly seems that way. Well, I'm excited to watch the rest of this game. The Wolves, oh, they're now losing, but they're up 40-39 after the uh, Rudy and one that he must have missed the free throw on. Um, but, yeah, from the limited amount of stuff I've read on the T-Wolves so far this season, sounds like Rudy's playing some good defense, pulling down some boards, but I saw one game he was 0-7 from the field, and I don't <laughs> think he took a shot outside of 15 feet. Um, 
couple of those being point-blank layup misses. But that's Rudy Gobert for you. And once he gets a little more comfortable, I think, and maybe uh, starts getting some Nas Reed-type love from the from the T-Wolves fans, he could maybe find some confidence and, and start making some shots. I think Gobert, I like Gobert. Like, I think having him, especially having a guy like Jaden McDaniels on the wing, who can be as great at a defender as, as he yep. is, and then Gobert in the center, and especially making up for... Cat's flaws down low. Ants is lazy sometimes with defense. And I think, like BG said, it's perfect. It's totally mental just playing defense and actually yep. giving a shit. Uh, but if these guys can buy, like if Ant can truly buy in on the defensive end, this team's going to be, like they are right now, very high in defensive rating. And if we can just stay healthy, because we haven't seen this new team for a full season or yep. anything close to that. I mean, if we can stay healthy with, how we're playing right now, it's probably going to look a hell of a lot different with how we're playing and how we're looking at the end of the season with all our guys, the, especially the bigger guys, building the chemistry. I mean, we just got to stay healthy, and a lot can happen. Has Leonard Miller gone tick? He might have in the Jazz game just because we are blowing him out. I don't believe any meaningful minutes yet. And with the bigs already, it's like where it's do you It's going to be tough to get time? on the court, just like Luka yeah. Garza. I mean, I think Luka's yeah. a stud, Yep. but every game he's in street clothes. I think for a lot of other teams, he'd be playing some minutes. But I think he is on a two-way contract, so you only get X amount Certain of number of games. NBA games, like yeah. at 30 or 40 or whatever it is. Um, so that's partial, but also the other part is you're buried behind all NBA guys already. Yep. And soon to be all NBA Nas, Nas. Reed. Yep. Definitely so. Fellas, any other wild gopher Viking? I guess we haven't talked about the wild. Timberwolves, I meant to say. Wolves. I'll refrain from any uh, Minnesota Wild takes, considering. <laughs> yeah, the Wild have been struggling recently. I know Kaprizov and Spurgeon. Beyond that, I don't know if I can name. You were just at the game. Yeah, I will so say I was count. at the oh, game yeah, Saturday yeah. night against the Rangers, and that was an unbelievable game. I think Did they the, went in overtime. Yeah, one in a shootout. Yeah, down three right. zero in the first period. We were outplaying them, but just three goals early on um, against the Rangers, who are one of the best team I think record wise so far in the yeah. NHL. Um, score four goals in a row, they get one. So it goes to OT 4-4 and then goes to a shootout. And Boldy, Baldy, whatever, Boldy, I think, uh, hits crossbar down, goes off the goalies back and in. No and, then, and then we get a stop. Flurry gets a stop to win it. So really yeah. exciting game. Can't really say anything more because I don't know about the Wild, but yeah. it's a fun game to be at. I don't think they've had a great start to the season. I think it's the Stars, not the Rangers, but um, nevertheless, a team from Texas. Um, Rangers was on Saturday. Oh, was it? They have a Rangers too. Yeah, Texas Rangers is a hockey team. No, no, no. Uh, no, New York, New York Rangers. Rangers. Oh, I thought we played Texas. We played the Stars. New mm-hmm. York Rangers. Okay, yep. I got you. This why we thinking, don't talk, talk hockey <laughs> on this podcast. I thought you were getting the Texas Rangers baseball team oh, mixed up with, with the, the Stars, stars. <laughs> and I was like, no, I think. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. Okay, we played New York. Nevertheless, yeah. you okay. said. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Go Wild. Uh, that's all I got, fellas. Vikings, Saints. What's the line next week, Boone? Do you have a line? Yeah, what was I saying? Vikes are plus three. No, plus two and a half. Plus two and a half. And a half. Plus two and a half. At home. Half, yeah. Do they know we have Josh <laughs> M.F. Dobbs? Do I they mean, understand that? I feel like once the Darius on news comes out that he's hopefully going to play and maybe Nick Mullins is our backup. So, if, you know, hopefully we don't need three quarterbacks. But we got Mullins when Dobbs goes down. 
We'll be good. Hall we'll didn't good. seem like too terribly concussed compared to KJ, who was curled up in the fetal position. I think KJ was knocked out. But then yeah, at I the think end KJ of the game, was unconscious at the end of the game, KJ was dapping up Addison or JJ. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what, fine. He probably had a it's not like if you're super concussed. I don't think you're going to be doing. Well, think that. about like a fighter, like a boxer gets knocked out and still does a, you know, interview after the boxing match and stuff like that. The hit on KJ would have been an illegal in the UFC. That's how dirty that hit <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah, Okuda's going to get fined for that. Hopefully. Flying forehead or something. <laughs> Hopefully like a $100,000 dude, fine for that. Cause yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty dirty. Hall was just like you said, kind of stupid to not either be more aggressive or if you just know you're going to get rocked. I mean, it's easy to say, but yeah, I just wish he would have gone full speed. Because one, he probably would have scored, and two, he probably wouldn't be hurt. And it's your first NFL touchdown. And it would have been his first NFL yeah. touchdown. Yep. Hell of a drive. It was a hell of a drive. Though. Hell of a game for for two series for, for Jaron Hall. I'm pumped. I'm back in it. We're I was, back in it. I was the Vikes are back in it. And four wins in a row, five and four, and uh, potentially the Vikes going to win next week. I think the Lions go to play L.A., the, the Chargers next week in L.A., so it'll be. Yeah, it's uh, favorable. I was looking at it. So it's Saints at home, on the road at the Broncos, yep. home against the Bears, on the road against the Raiders, and it goes I think we play Bengals, Cincinnati. Lions, yeah. Green Bay, Lions. So yeah. the, tough stretch. At the end, but this is where you capitalize and hopefully take four. And yeah. again, four. last game, who knows if the Lions are playing for anything that game? Right. Well, there might be a game. For, they're gonna have to play for the division, but yeah, yeah. That, but if it's you know if we're not right behind them, or and their playoff seeds right locked, I think it's gonna be awesome to play the Lions fifteen or week sixteen and eighteen. I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gonna be awesome because I think week eighteen is gonna be for the division, and. Uh, I think it's going to be just an electric game. Both of those games will in be. Detroit. In Last Detroit, game of the yeah. Years in Detroit. Yeah. I think we win Week 16. We beat the Packers Week 17 to sweep that series, and then it goes to Week 18 for the division, um, or at least a potential wild card spot for for the loser. Hopefully, at that point, it's almost it's almost a given that one would have the wild card and one would have the division. Mm-hmm. If Maybe, if yeah. the Vikes go on a four run stretch right here and they're nine and four, yeah, you win. Another the, game, you're probably got a wild card with that extra seventh team. Yeah, there. but who are the Lions? We're five and four, and the team that's and we're in the seventh spot right now for the wild card. The team that's behind us, I forget maybe the Commanders, but they're not even five hundred. They're one game under five hundred. So I think if you so go it's ten not like and we're seven, packed. I think you're still in to at least the wild oh, for sure. card. Yeah, I think so too. But it probably takes eleven, yeah, plus to win the division. So the Lions still play the Cowboys. They play them week 17. They play the Broncos week 15. That's easy one. Bears are going to win that game. The Saints and the Packers. So they have basically and the, the Jaguars. Same, the same schedule. I think I saw down there. So uh, Josh Dobbs oh, really wants to get crazy. He'll just take this team, the division, ruin the Lions' chance because they go 16 Vikings, 17 Cowboys, 18 Vikings. They could drop three right there, and they will drop three. Why are the why are they playing the Packers at 1130? Oh, it's a Thanksgiving or holiday. Yeah, it's got to be Thanksgiving the 23rd. Yep. Nice. Well, maybe the Packers can sneak that one uh, into a, a victory. That's all I got, fellas. See you okay. all next week. Skull Vikes. Hopefully injury news is all good this week, and uh, we'll talk all of it over next week after another Vikings win. Let's make it five in a Five in a row. Okay, Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question but a lesson learned in time. 
It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. And still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable In the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life That was awesome, guys. That was, that was awesome. That whistle part was really good. Thank that you. Was really good.